The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome into another episode of the Story World Podcast. We actually hit record this time. I'm Steve, and here with my boy Al. What's up, Al? Enjoying the week and enjoying this fine night, sir. How are you? Amen. Yeah, me too. It's been good. Did a little traveling this week and settled back home now, ready to talk about some parables. Yeah, so we start kind of kicked off this whole series by a little introduction, but now we're finally getting into our first parable discussion. What are we talking about tonight, Steve? Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about the parable of the good Samaritan. And if you'll follow along in your Bible, you'll just open up to Luke chapter 10 and verse number 25. See, I can, I can, you can do it. You didn't, that you is didn't where know it's you located. Gonna, you didn't know you were going to get a sermon tonight, huh? No, Pretty... you, which I should have. Um, see, was, <laughs> when I, when I think of a, uh, of a hardcore sermon yell spit in your face, I think of Steve Schramm. Uh, I, I should have been ready for that. Should have been ready. Should have been ready. Um, yeah. So if you, uh, yeah, if you have a Bible and you'd like to go look at that, you can. But we're actually not. We're actually not going to preach the passage or even teach the passage. We just want to talk through um, the story of the of the parable itself and a, yeah. a few of the ideas around it. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, useful. Yeah, this will be interesting. Um, kind of looking forward to seeing how it'll go. Um, our format generally is pretty relaxed anyway. Um, and I wouldn't even say this is even a um, a teaching uh, mm-hmm. episode on the parable. But yeah, it's more of a discussion, just kind of analyzing the parable, our thoughts on it. And uh, hopefully we get someplace with it. That'll at least be yeah. good. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So uh, we have a little description we wrote up here for the parable, and so I think we'll just start by reading that, and then we'll talk through some things and, and go from there. Do you want me to read it, or do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll take it. That's fine. Sweet. All right, uh, so the Good Samaritan. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus tells the story of a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho who was attacked by robbers, beaten, and left for dead on the road. As he lies wounded, a priest passed by the man but chooses to avoid him. Similarly, a Levite, upon seeing the injured man, also passes by on the other side. However, a Samaritan, traditionally seen as an enemy to the Jews and considered to be of a lower social status, approaches the wounded man. Moved with compassion, the Samaritan bandages his wounds, places him on his own animal, and takes him to an inn where he cares for him. The Samaritan even leaves money with the innkeeper to ensure the man's care and promises to reimburse any extra costs upon his return. How nice of him. Very nice. Um, yes. So uh, very neighborly, <laughs> one might say. Uh, very neighborly. So, this is true. Um, if you've uh, grown up in church or been around church at all, this is, um, I mean, this is kind of like one of the parables that you know. And in fact, even if you 
haven't been around much church, you probably have heard this swung around before. I think it's, you know, even in pop culture quite a bit, you know, the good being a good Samaritan. Um, so it'll be interesting to finally actually get to discuss it and kind of uh, take a look at it. Do you have any initial thoughts on this to uh, kick it off, Steve? Yeah. So um, this is one where really the, the, I guess the overall, point of the parable is to figure out who your I mean it's like Mr. Rogers it's like who is your neighbor who are we responsible for caring for taking care of and um oftentimes like and I don't know if this is really the point of the of the parable but um for me one of the big takeaways that I always got from it growing up whenever I would hear someone preach on this or teach on this is isn't it funny how the ultra religious guy walks right by, yeah. right? And it's like, I almost like now that I've grown a little bit, like I can look at it and I can take more away from it than that. But especially younger, like hearing this growing up in church, like I couldn't get past that. I couldn't get past. Why does the ultra religious guy walk by when this Samaritan um, ends up taking care of, of the dude? And this, this, gets exacerbated. I, am I saying that right? Exacerbated? Exacer I don't know exacerbated. if I'm saying it right. But it's made worse. Yeah. So how about I just say that? It's made worse <laughs> yeah. uh, for the audience. Because remember, Jesus is teaching Jews. Okay, Jesus is teaching Jews. And Jews look down on Samaritans because they were half-breeds. And so it's made worse by the fact that not only did the ultra-religious guy, the Jew, pass the, uh, the wounded man up and pass him by and go on his way, but the half-breed, if you will, an enemy of the Jews, is the one who actually was good and taking care of the man in the road. And so that that just always struck me as like something that really stood out in the story. Um, that That's a good point. It actually kind of um, brings to mind, too. I, again, this isn't necessarily the main point of the parable. I guess it, it kind of is in a little way. But um, I remember growing up, um, and probably we all did, too, if you're raised in church, whenever you hear about it just didn't make sense whenever you saw a Christian doing something really bad and a non-Christian doing something really good. And it almost right. made you, it, yeah. it just didn't click and it would always discourage you, make you feel upset. When you look at this parable, and again, I know it's not talking about, you know, if one is a believer here, or one isn't, that's, that's not quite the detail, but it is showing that the person who is supposedly the religious one and, you know, maybe a follower of Christ, you know, whatever he is supposed to be referring to as is what his faith is um that it's kind of expected it's normal that you're going to run into people in life who are christian or who do have the same worldview as you that just aren't as compassionate or charitable um mm -hmm. it, it's kind of jesus kind of brings that as a sort of reality um that that we should all recognize and that we shouldn't obviously you know it is a little bit discouraging um and we should you know help each other out to you know bring that compassion to the church and everything but um it just it, even Jesus recognized, not just here, but elsewhere that, um, you know, people are sinners and people mess up, um, even if you're a follower. Yeah. Yeah. I've had many conversations with people. And again, part of this is them sort of misunderstanding the message of Christianity. Um, unfortunately, especially in the 21st or excuse me, the 20th century, um, one of the downfalls of the 20th century was that people came to think of Christianity as a 
I am better than you or I do more good deeds than you or whatever sort of, um, you know, sort of, sort of comparison. Well, we look, we dress, we act, we talk a certain way and we don't look, we don't act, we don't do, we don't, you know, we don't talk a certain way. And there came this dichotomy. And because of that, a lot of people have taken away the idea. Well, I've seen Christians do some really mean things Mm -hmm. and I strive to be a good person every day. And so I, I do way less mean things than the Christians. So why would God save them and not save me? And so, I mean, I've had those conversations with people, you know, in my life, legitimately asking that question. And it's kind of easy to see where they, where they get that thinking because we've failed to communicate the gospel. Well, yeah, absolutely. A a very new kind of deviating here a little bit, but I think it's important. A very new, kind of trend is um or topic of discussion is doesn't it matter as long as someone is sincere in what they do rather than the actual faith and that's a good question you know that i think that christians need to tackle and answer everything but yeah 100 percent. and just to button up that point you know if you're listening to this and you're not a christian and you're wondering what we're babbling on about um the bible says that no matter who you are if you're a human that your righteousness is this filthy rag so it doesn't matter if you you know if your life is characterized by one night stands in vegas and gambling and losing all your money every night or whether you go to church you know three times a week and sit and listen intently when the preacher preaches if you don't believe in jesus christ as your savior then you are not saved and it doesn't matter how good you are or what you do or what those appearances are um you, you know you are not going to spend eternity with god that's uh, that's sort of the bottom line of yeah. the of the christian message you know to to be to be rescued to be saved is to um be covered by the blood of jesus christ and his sacrifice it's not to be a particularly um good person but to transition back to the good samaritan of course the the equal importance is placed maybe not equal but i mean pretty much equal because especially if you read james equal importance well and also galatians equal importance is placed on the idea of of the working out of your faith in what you do and how you treat people. Um, the Bible literally says that you are going to know them by their love for one another. In other words, you're going to know people who are following Christ by their love for one another. And so when we don't show that, then we don't, we don't show the love of Christ and we don't give anybody reason to think that we're in Christ. And so this was part of Jesus's point here, right? Is to show that, um, like it, it's not just about like what you say; it's about what you do as well. And uh, it's kind of skipping to the end of the parable here, but it falls right in line with what you were saying. Um, the very last verse that takes place with the actual parable, um, Jesus asks, "Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers?" So it is very much, um, you know, you you prove your faith, you know, and you show that by by showing love and compassion with your neighbor um and not just by saying yeah "Yeah, that's you know limiting your group of neighbors to the person across the street or just the people that you think you are close with um Mm -hmm. but branching out to someone that you might not know or that you heard that needs help even though you don't know the person or the exact circumstance um so you know prove that love and that compassion that's in your heart um well and in the context of this passage your neighbor can even be your uh Right, which is oh, yeah. a really yeah, radical, really radical concept. I mean, your 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 neighbor can be the very person that, um, 
you know, that, that you despise uh, the most. In fact, the Bible makes this point. Um, it says that anybody can love somebody who loves them back, right? Mm. The hard thing to do is to love somebody who can't love you back or who chooses not to love you back. And um, that's where the the biblical message is not, it's not pragmatic in that sense. It's not, it's not logical, right? It's, it's illogical to pray for your enemies and love your enemies and to do good things for them. Um, it's illogical to do that because they can't offer you anything meaningful in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that's how we're supposed to act because that's what it means to be a neighbor. I mean, this is like the most Mr. Rogers uh, parable I've ever heard in my life. And it's true. <laughs> right. You know, um, I mean, Mr. Rogers was a great example of this actually. <laughs> I think that's a, uh, it's super important. One of the points that you kind of had listed here um, was, you know, action versus indifference and looking at it from the perspective of um, say, if it is a neighbor or probably more relatable to people is at work. I think we've all worked with a coworker who just didn't like you, whether it's your personality or how you did things. And sure. a lot of times we sink into that zone of indifference, which seems fine where we say, okay, I'm just going to leave that guy alone. And maybe sometimes there are, you know, certain situations where you do need to set those boundaries but just generally speaking you just avoid that person and you take it as it is and, and leave them alone whereas maybe the right thing to do is to step up your game a little bit and um you know love on that person somehow maybe without being annoying if they find you annoying you know but uh mm-hmm. um there's definitely a, you know the parable definitely shows that an indifference to someone or a situation um being actionable in the situation is much much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And another point that it, it makes is that it's not, uh, it's not only about, um, helping and it's not only about helping like y- your enemies or whatever, but it's about, um, the way we have it wrote down here is compassion beyond boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what that boundary is, societal norms, potentially even prejudices that you might have certainly ethnic boundaries. This is one of the most interesting things about the gospel is that, um, Whenever, um, um, like the, the, the new Testament teaches that there's no longer a a Jew or a Greek. We're all one in Christ. Uh, even that there's no longer male nor female, we're all one in Christ. Of course, there still are male and female. That's not the point of that. The point is just to show that it's not about the societal norms anymore. It's not about, oh, well, males are this, females are this. It's about, we're all one together in, as the body of Christ. And we all have different roles that we play and different things that we do. That's why the analogy of the body is used because the eye is separate from the hand is separate from the feet, etc. Um, and yet we're all, uh, one together under the, under the power of Christ. And so we can show compassion beyond any superficial or societal or ethnic or whatever, um, boundaries that are, are placed. And a point that I want to make there is that Jesus, this is not the only time that Jesus actually went out of his way um, to show love to the Samaritans. I mean, so he did this in in this story with this parable, but he literally went out of his way uh, to Mm -hmm. go through Samaria uh, when he didn't have to go through Samaria on the way to his next destination to see another story in the Bible, which is the story of the woman at the well, where basically Jesus... um, uh, in one sense confronts the sin of this woman, but basically the the point isn't to confront the sin. The point in this case was to demonstrate who he was and how, how deep his knowledge of her and yet his love for her went. And then she went and told uh, all of the people of her town 
um, that the Messiah was here. And um, so uh, the point was to spread the gospel uh, into uh, Samaria. But the larger point is that uh, the plan, of course, the Bible uses something that we call progressive revelation. So the writers, uh, and I should say God through the writers, exposes us to more information uh, the longer the writing of, of the Bible goes on. And so uh, we learn through the writing of the Apostle Paul that God's plan all along was to bring the Gentile believers uh, or to bring the Gentiles back into the church. In other words, it wasn't just going to be for Jews. It was also going to be for the Gentiles or for the Greeks. Um, and the Samaritans are an interesting case study here because Samaritans are literally half Jew, half Gentile. And that's yeah. why the Jews didn't like them very much. And so Jesus uses Samaritans as a way to sort of help bridge that gap to show people that they're part of God's family too. And then eventually uh, we see like in Acts 10, this is where it really starts to get cemented. And then it, the book of Galatians has a lot to do with this. The um, uh, Thessalonians, well, the whole New Testament really is this culminates in this idea of the Gentiles being grafted in and, and part of the adoption into the family of God. Um, and so that's why salvation is available to all and for all. And this is just another one of those stories that helps show how those barrier or those barriers are, um, are okay to be broken. Well said. Um, I was just thinking about kind of the last things that you were you were hitting on. But I'm going to apply because you covered kind of the spiritual aspect of it, where it you know the most important thing is that um, Jesus' love is for all, and not just to the Jews alone. Um, but kind of bringing that also to maybe people who aren't listen who are listening who aren't Christian or just to another kind of level um, where. I mean, you do have a lot of, um, uh, it, it's funny, even within like the church, sometimes you think about different church groups or like, oh, those people from like the city church behave this way, or the people from like down country way, mm -hmm. they behave this way. And um, it, I just think, uh, it, and it's fine. Everyone has, you know, their different, um, you know, ways of upbringings and how they do things. But um, I, I mean, in the end, we're, we're all people and we're all humans. And I think it's right. a, just a great parable um, just to just say like, hey, I mean, your neighbor is everyone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what background they came from or how different they are than you or heck, even if they believe differently than you. Um, so anyway, just kind of a, a point there that just kind of, you know, struck home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, one one other interesting aspect of this story. So I am a details guy. And so what's, well, when it comes to some things, actually with some things, I'm not a details guy. I'm a big picture guy. In the case of the Bible, I tend to like the details because the details are where a lot of the great nuggets are found. And so while a particular passage may have a certain point, there are also other things that that passage can tell us that are sort of useful to know. And one of my uh, favorite things about this passage is how it ends when the Samaritan literally leaves money with the innkeeper and then says, hey, look, if that's not enough to cover it, put it on my tab. I'll take care of it when I uh, get back. And for as much as people demonize having money, uh, if this guy didn't have money, he would not have been able to effectively help the uh, injured man. Um, maybe he would have had some other way of helping him. Certainly the end-all be-all is not to have money. But it's hard to demonize money when money was actually a very helpful means for taking care of this guy in this situation. And so I always like to make sure that when we're looking at the Bible, we're looking at everything the Bible is 
is saying. We're looking at what the Bible assumes. We're looking at what it doesn't assume. We're looking at what it's saying. We're looking at what it's not saying. When you put all of that together, it makes a really nice holistic picture of reality that oftentimes doesn't fit the characterizations or stereotypes. And this goes, this is true for way beyond what I'm talking about here with this one detail. It's just that this detail happens to be in this story. And I have always found it to be sort of interesting. Yeah, I think it's all it's kind of a wake up call to people, to people, whatever income level or how much money you make is um, maybe not be so greedy. And I think we're all guilty of that for one. Oh yeah, of course. But uh, I mean, if it, if it comes down to where you find out that your neighbor is sick or something and you can spend 20 bucks on a meal for them and you're thinking about whether you can afford it or not, why don't you think about like cutting out something, you know? So, you know, for, so from the financial perspective, Mm -hmm. um, it's good to be, if you don't have a lot of it, at least be wise with it. You know, h- help your neighbor out whenever the need arises. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I never really, um, that part yeah. never stuck out to me before. I'm glad you brought that Look, up. Look, even if you just have a help my neighbor fund in your budget or something, I mean, but, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Put, put, put 20 bucks in that thing every month and then, you know, wait until the, the need arises, you know, to, yep. to see. And, you know, so a need, some need comes up and then you can go help your neighbor with it, you know, just, um. Sort of an interesting need, well, if a need doesn't come up within a year, then you need to talk to more people. <laughs> so let's if, put it that if, way. Well, either that or or um, I'll create a donate link for the podcast and you can just help yeah, us. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. We're, <laughs> we're, need, we're needy and a little greedy. Amen. Um, I wanted to talk about one thing here that's not necessarily related to the parable. I always find um, Jesus' discussions and approach to things like super funny. Um, he... I think he he handles conversations so well, and I think it's very applicable to how we can handle conversations in our own life. Jesus asked mm-hmm. a lot of questions, and especially in this example, he basically, the, the scribe comes and kind of challenges him on this thing, and he basically turns it around to the scribe to have him answer his own question, and in the end, yeah. sort of makes him look like a fool or helps him realize the actual meaning behind the question. So at the beginning here, I'm an expert of the law stood up and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus doesn't answer. He said, well, what does it say? What, what's written in the law? Um, you know, how do you read it? And he said, love the Lord. Your God. So he knew the answer, love the Lord, your God, love your neighbor um, with your heart, your mind, all that. And then Jesus says, you answer correctly. So go ahead and do it. And I, yeah. I envision, I envision like a little pause where the guy's kind of thinking and he's just, and then he finally says, well, who is my neighbor? He probably thought he, even though he knew the answer, I, I think he wanted an, an easy out. Um, you know, your neighbor is mm-hmm. your wife or your kid or the person you don't talk to very much. And that's when Jesus goes into the parable. Um, but right. I think that's a great way to handle conversations with people, especially um, someone who is, you know, maybe angry with you about something or is accusing you of something or very irritated, but even someone who's just curious coming to you and asking about a topic. If you think that they can figure out the answer for themselves or want to maybe just find out how they feel about something. And there's been tons of books on this. Greg Gold was is the best example, I think, um, mm-hmm. just about this tactic, I guess you can call it, is just ask questions and help kind of retrieve the answer from their own mind. And it hits home a lot better rather than you telling people how they should do something. Um, anyway, I just think yeah. this is a great example of uh, the conversation that Jesus just has with the back and back and forth between the scribe. Yeah, this is true. And I'm going to, I'm going to take us a little bit further. Um, so, because there's a context recently that I can't really discuss on this podcast, but anyway, there's a, there's a context recently that came up where I was doing, um, something like this. And basically, um, 
Jesus uses like inception <laughs> uh, <laughs> basically. And I, and um, I think it's useful. And, and the reason is, and so um, another example, and this might seem like it doesn't relate, but it does. Another example is people who are going through some sort of uh, um, trauma. There's a, there's a name for this in psychology. Oh gosh. I forget what it is called. It's, it's on the tip of my tongue, but there's a name for this in psychology. And just to describe what I'm talking about, it's, um, you know, like when somebody kidnaps somebody um, and they're with them for a year or whatever, they can have like this weird, like, like the person who was kidnapped can end up having like this weird attachment, right. To the person who kidnapped yeah, yeah. them. Like that is a thing that happens. And like in psychology, um, it can be really difficult to understand or like if somebody's telling you in a particular situation, like if somebody tells you what to do, um, that is oftentimes going to be ignored. Whereas somebody, if they come to the realization for themselves, yeah. it's a different story. This actually ties into storytelling, the show don't tell principle. Um, yeah. It ties into marketing because we we do this in marketing a lot because again, you don't ever want to convince somebody to buy, to buy something they don't think they need. You want people to um, become on their own desirous of the thing that you have and so that you want them to come to the realization um, for themselves. And so um, like if you've got a situation where uh um again you've got you've got like the, this trauma going on or whatever like if you just tell somebody oh here's here's how you deal with this you need to get away from that person because they're harming you or you need to da -da 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 -da, then there's always going to be those excuses but if you can sort of like have conversations with them that plant seeds that help them come to the realization themselves that they've got a problem then oftentimes they can come out of it. A, a biblical example of this is uh, the prophet uh, Nathan talking to David after David sins with Bathsheba. And if you don't know the story, basically King David, a man after God's own heart commits adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of his military commander and best friend. And then when it looks like he's going to get found out, he has the guy killed. <laughs> and so that's not good. Um, and obviously he has not quite reckoned, you know, with the, error of his ways and so the prophet nathan comes to him and tells him this story that i don't remember all the details of but tells him this story that is basically like oh look at what this other guy over there did i think it had to do with stealing somebody else's sheep or whatever and david's like ah off with the guy's head he needs to be put to death like it's terrible and nathan looks at him and says thou art the man right and it's this mic drop moment that jesus did right jesus put it back onto the person who asked the question to answer their own question and sometimes it was more like this where it was a more instructive point sometimes he was using what philosophers call or in logicians call a reductio ad absurdum in other words he would ask them a question that would allow the person, the person asking it to take the argument they were making to its logical conclusion. Yeah. And they would find out that it is, it, it, it's bunk. Um, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it falls in on itself. And so, yeah, Jesus was great at this stuff. I mean, he employed these strategies all the time. And I think it's because they're good, useful strategies. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That was a great it's, point. It's interesting reading uh, all this, the conversation um the one with the prophet though and with uh david that's a great that's a great scene from the it? bible it's that's a, a great it's one a, it's a great way and it's a fantastic case study for like how you can be so blinded mm -hmm. by the circ like the details of your circumstance yeah. whereas if you were to look at somebody else and, and look at their um and and actually uh, not to be too nerdy here but um you know they're like philosophers do this all the time like so there's a 
there's an argument called the evolutionary argument against naturalism. Um, and the philosopher who put this in there, uh, who put this in the ring, um, his name is Dr. Alvin Plantiga. And he, and when he wrote about this, um, there's so many, like, so basically the like super, I'm not going to do it any justice, but the super rough sketch of the argument is that Darwinism and naturalism specifically, which uses Darwinistic evolutionary mechanisms um, only selects for survival. It doesn't select for truth. So even if um, even if Darwinism is true, we could never really know it <laughs> because it doesn't select for truth. It only selects for survivability. So maybe we only think it's true because we survive if we think it's true. And that could be true for any given belief. But there's so much weirdness around like and like weird, like dogmatic, just crazy belief that people have around Darwinism that he's like, he didn't formulate his argument with that in mind. Like the formulation of the argument says, suppose like basically it's like, suppose we were viewing another earth-like planet and an alien species on that planet evolved via these mechanisms. Da, 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 da. And so he helps us to see the force of his argument by applying it, by detaching us mentally from and emotionally from the argument by seeing how it applies to other people. And so when you do that, it can really help um, get clarity that you wouldn't otherwise get if you were looking at your own situation. I know we spent a lot of time on that, but I think it's, it's actually a really important point and one that you probably will see come up again as we talk through some of these parables, because this is just, was Jesus like sort of default mode of interaction. It's really powerful stuff. Now, in the next step after that, and again, we could probably devote a whole podcast to it because it kind of relates to storytelling too in a way, is being able to recognize in yourself when your mind or judgment is cloudy and kind of, ra so rather than using it as a weapon in a good form to help people understand and see something, um, you know, train yourself and practice things. If you're in a messy situation or if you think you have it all down, maybe you don't. Mm. Um, so anyway, just a, a good self-reflection tool as well. Yeah, that's right. To help overcome what we call confirmation bias. Yeah, you know, people absolutely. Are, people tend to believe things they want to believe. And so this can help with that. So, yep, for sure. All right. I think that takes it to the end of my thoughts on this, Steve. Are you yeah, pretty me too. happy with awesome. that? Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. All right. So, story of the week. Um, I'll go. Mine is super quick. We talked about this a week or two ago, but I just thought just an update on the uh, on threads. Have you signed up for threads? I haven't. No, I had yeah. not. No. I guess um, it didn't really surprise me just because with everything new that starts up and, you know, people want to get in on and see how it is. But I don't know if this is over a period of a day or a week or officially, but over a period of time, the activity or user base dropped by like 50% since the start yeah. of it or from the peak to the low. I forget exactly, which was kind of expensive. I know that there's still, you know, maybe 25, 50, 75 million people that use it. But um um, it's just what's to be expected. Um, I have to, uh, I actually do have to just watch some videos on it. I'm, I'm actually really unfamiliar with just how the platform works in general, just cause it didn't really interest me at all, but I'm going to have to look into yeah. that. I think, um, if anything, it's actually a pretty good time for Elon just to kind of keep building up Twitter, um, and making it how it is, you know, just keep going strong with that, no matter, you know, what gets in the way or obstacles that come up over the next, you know, foreseeable mm -hmm. future. Well, just to extend your story of the week a little bit, because that's what I do. I make things take longer. Yes. Um, um, uh, Twitter recently made a very, I don't know if you saw this, but a very important move where they started giving creators 
you have to meet a certain threshold, mm-hmm. but um, creators who meet these criteria, they started paying them a share of ad revenues for the ads that they got to show on the replies mm. to their tweets. That's and important. And so it's extremely important. Yep. This is this is um uh this is uh YouTube for writers. Yeah. Th- think about that. Yeah, absolutely. This is YouTube for writers and people who have large audiences. So the first round of payouts um, was retroactive back to February when he initially announced oh, yeah. that they were going to do this. And so uh, some yeah, creators just got oh, a that. huge paycheck. Yeah, your big ones, and, yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, even, even ones who aren't so big still got a pretty good paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, really interesting. So writers can now take advantage of, of something that only YouTube people have been able to take – YouTubers have been able to take advantage of in the past, and that's huge. So really that's useful excellent. writers. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff yep. there. All right, Steve, what's yep. your story of the week? Yeah, I'm excited so for I, your story. Yeah, so um, so so I have been – so uh, Alex introduced me a long time ago now to Brandon Sanderson. And um, so my first interactions with Sanderson were actually just learning – so I just had credibility like – the, the, like I knew who he was. And so he had sort of built in credibility. And so I was starting to engage with some of his materials about how to be a writer. Um, not for becoming a fiction writer, because I wasn't even really a fiction reader at that time. Uh, but because the people with the best ideas about how to get good at marketing are ironically storytellers. <laughs> uh, and so I wanted to learn more about writing good fiction for the purpose of learning how to be a good marketer. And, so that's what it started with. And then um, I have gradually gotten more and more into uh, fiction reading. And so I guess it's been probably, gosh, time flies, probably about a month or so ago that I started reading one of his secret project books, his first one, which is called Tress of the Emerald Sea. And I made it through that and I was like, okay, this is pretty darn good. I think I want to go to another one. And so I got his second secret project which is called the frugal wizard's handbook to surviving medieval England. And I read that (laughs) pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I just finished that up a week or so ago and that was really good too. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I've only, so this was only his, like, this isn't any of the books he's even known for. Like these are his secret project things. They're in even a completely different style than he normally writes. I'm like, this, like if he, if he's this good at what he's not even really known for, like, He's got to be good at the other stuff. So I decided to start um, Mistborn, which is one of his bigger series. He recommends – I he's actually got a couple videos online about, like, where should somebody start with his books. And so this is where he recommends that people start. Like, um, if you want to do a standalone novel, his novel Elysium is uh, – I think Elantris, not Elysium, Elantris, uh, is pretty good, he said. Uh, but he said, like – the Mistborn is exponentially better. And so if you can stand to get into a series, um, um, he said that most people would probably want to start with Mistborn. And so that's what I did. And so I'm about uh, close to seven hours into the, into the book, a, a mix of reading and listening. And boy, I am just really, really enjoying the heck out of it. It is just so, so good. I get the hype. I totally understand it. I, I see why I see why he had the most successful Kickstarter project yeah. ever. Um, and uh, boy, I'm pumped to keep He's going through it. The master storyteller. 
I'm glad that you're mm. getting involved with that, Steve. Oh, and I'm just so excited about how much there is to do. I mean, I'm literally like, I've, I've if if you were to scratch the sur- like this, the scratch that I have made into the surface so far of his writing is so small that you wouldn't even be able to see it. So like, I'm just <laughs> happy, happy to have so much more happy to camper. explore, and it's good. Excellent, really happy for you, Steve. Welcome aboard. Have you read Mistborn yet, or no? No, so you haven't read that one yet. Wow, cool. No, yeah. I read yeah. Elantris. I don't care. I, even though I probably would find enjoyment from it, I really just try to really stick to the epic fantasy stuff. So there's a lot of his side projects and yeah. books that I probably won't read. But um, Elantris yeah. and the Stormlight Archive books. Um, yeah, gotcha. Um, and gotcha. I actually will probably read the Stormlight Archive books through again as like a personal study thing in preparation for book five coming out next year. But I want to yeah. read Mistborn yeah. along with you. We'll see if I can juggle that many books at a time. <laughs> Oh, I think you can do it. It's worth it. It'll be good. Yeah, it, so. is. it is. All right, Steve. Well, hey, great podcast okay. this week. We did it. Good. And uh, next week, what are we uh, covering? Uh, we are I covering The Prodigal Son. The product, Yeah, the pro- that's another really good one. So That'll be a excited. great one. Excellent, right. Steve. Okay. We'll see y'all next time. See you next time.